Blog Talk Radio. Podcast featuring Elvira Love and Phoenix LaFay, two out of the room closet professional witches with over 70 years combined experience of making magic. This is a show on the LMC Radio Network. During each show, Elvira and Phoenix will help you create rituals, make spells, make potions, and much more besides. They'll spend time speaking about different goddesses from all over the world, paying attention to the ancient reverence of long-ago cultures and infusing it with a modern perspective. Elvira, Phoenix, take it away. Here we go. Here we go. This is a a take-it-away day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Personally, it is a take it away day. You know, I was, just, I was, we talk 15 minutes before show, just sometimes it's yeah. on the show, sometimes it's good stuff. And it's funny that both of us are feeling in this very weird and, and not so fun space that right. um, we've, you know, in our own, in our own lives, we've had to deal with whatever this is that making us go that way. And, yeah. um, I think I was listening to the intro and, you know, fun things. And, and, and it was just, there was just some things that, you know, uh, Guian Phoenix's husband did our intro and I'm always amazed that, you know, it kind of makes me chuckle every time I hear it. Um, but I was thinking, yeah, uh-huh. Not really one of our strong suits right now. <laughs> so basically being the, the fact that we're kind of a little out of sync and maybe that's, you know why I'm kind of thinking. Well, we're gonna we're gonna take this on the road, and we're gonna see what we can do, and hope it doesn't get run over. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so that's my uh, beginning statement. I'll send it to you now because I think it'll probably <laughs> you'll have something cute and funny to say too. I know we're gonna be that way most of today. I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I'm here. We're going to do our show. I'm just a little out of sorts. Like like Elvira said, we always do a little check-in before we get started. And, yeah, I'm just a little out of sorts. I don't really feel my chipper self. So I'm just kind of riding that wave and seeing what happens to it. Third or fourth week that I've mentioned that I haven't started my editing process yet on my next <laughs> book. And the deadline is starting to feel like it, I still have time. It's not like, you know, I'm running behind. I, but I just wanted – I always want to be done early and have it turned in ahead of time. So that's a thing off of my, my shoulders. It's not, you know, weighing me down. And I just haven't even started it. I just don't have the motivation to. 
I've been distracting myself this week with like work, you know, I've, I've definitely done a lot of work this week, but it's all like busy work that I could not do. You know, it doesn't have to be done right now, but I'm going to do it right now to stop me from doing the other things that might take more brain power or creative energy or what have you. So, you know, just feeling that vibe. Um, we, we've been doing a little bit of gardening here at our house. So I think this weekend we don't have a lot of, we have like no dirt in our yard. Like the, the landlord basically covered up any potential green space in the, in this property. So we've been, we got like some big like corrugated tubs to grow plants and herbs and vegetables and stuff in. And I think this weekend we're going to go get a couple more to make an herb bed. And so I'm excited about that. I feel like, some digging in the dirt and some plant therapy is probably exactly what I need. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and I've, you know, my, like you mentioned, Gwen, my partner, we just had a book come out that we wrote together. Uh, it's called Life Ritualized. And we've been, I think every other day, one of us or both of us have been on like a podcast or an interview or a a Instagram live interview and it's really fun but it's also so exhausting so I think that's probably part of it too is I'm a little bit spent on my my uh smiling and making nice energy (laughs) (laughs) I have a finite amount of that resource and I think I'm spending it all up doing interviews and stuff right now but it's been fun it's been fun to talk about the book and share our process and you know, because we're a couple, a lot of people are asking us, like, what was the process to write a book together as a couple? And uh, and it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy to write a book together. Uh, in fact, you know, someone asked if we would do it again, and we both answered immediately. I said no, and he said yes. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, See? I'm like – Feeling funky and out of sorts and still trying to look at like the fun and frivolity and joy that's going on around me. And, you know, that's pretty, I think like that's life in COVID. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> oh, I have one more thing totally. I want to bitch about actually. I've been, I mentioned this to Elvira. I've been doing this mentorship. I'm doing a one-on-one mentorship with a magical practitioner and he lives in Australia And in Australia, they've basically got COVID under control. You don't have to wear masks out in public. Um, That you know, they have like flare-ups or breakouts, and then they lock down those areas, and then wait two weeks, and then life resumes. And I just found myself feeling very resentful and jealous. Like it didn't, it didn't have to go that the way that it went in the United States. And I was just like, damn it. I'm so jealous that you can go hang out with your friends and not have to wear a mask to the grocery store. I'm so jealous. So Mm -hmm. I think I'm feeling Mm -hmm. that too. I'm feeling my COVID resentment today. (laughs) That's me. I'll shut up. Oh, no, 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 no. I love it. It's great. It's it's kind of like, oh, God, she's got sentiments just like how I feel. Wow. Yeah, right? I'm sure everyone feels that way. Oh, yeah, because it's just – and I was – it was hard this week because, in essence, it brought that part of it up so much in my face. Like, yeah, okay. And, you know, um, mishandling something is, you know, 
like saying, oops, I made a mistake. But when you keep saying, I've never made a mistake, and by the way, it's all of you guys that are the problem, and you're like, yeah, we're all dying, excuse us, you know, it's just, I guess that just gets to me. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a little less, uh, and it's hard because, quite frankly, there are several people in the family dynamics over in Arkansas, obviously, um, where mm-hmm. I'm going to be moving that hold to the line that nothing wrong was really done. A couple of people mm-hmm. actually feel there was something wrong, but they're not going to say that anybody like Biden or the Democrats are good, but that, right. you know, it wasn't, it wasn't handled well. Um, yeah. But there are a few that actually, and it's hard for me, have drunk the Kool-Aid and so love it, they keep drinking it. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And I'm going to live there, please, just so that I'm less likely to be found in the newspaper because some lady has gone wackadoodle. <laughs> and I know her. She was really a good person. She was California. She was lovely, you know. Send her over there. Yeah, we won't let but, that happen. Please. I mean, <laughs> I have to say that in my ancestral homeland of Sicily, Mount Etna is spewing, baby. She's spewing ash and lava and and soot and, and everything and i'm thinking no oh, i didn't uh, is that really happening right now yeah i've totally it, missed it happened, that yeah well it's it was they had it in the last two to three weeks yeah oh. and it kind of continued it's not like it was happening two years ago it actually has just happened so um oh. kind of go maybe maybe my italian sicilian energy is getting wild there so I have to be careful (laughs) (laughs) but anyway now my week has been um very difficult it has had family um situations where illness has been uh part of it in terms of that and um it's I'm still getting over my um neighbor passing away. I mean, yes, he was 90, Mm -hmm. but he was very spry and and a very nice man. And even though, you know, he, and it was just, it was very sad. He was the first person to welcome me into this place and really kind of took, you know, took me under his wing and and it was very hard. And of course, you know, I found him. Um, I didn't find his body, but I did find that there was, his body was on the other side of the door. We couldn't open the door. Um, But that being said, um, you know, it is all the things that we could hope for in the fact that the wind has been whipping around and, of course, yeah, actually I don't like that. To, and I don't like that either. It's kind of like, oh, good, they said rain um, by next weekend, you know, definitely oh. 60% chances of rain on, you know, kind of probably not the kind that we are thinking of, but enough to be wet, Um so there is, you know, that, but the wind kind of gets us jangled, even yeah. though we have, you know, had more moisture. We're not in, like, the latter part of, you know, middle summer, latter summer, autumn, you know, getting into winter kind of thing where you're scorching yeah. it, but it bothers me. Um, but the nice thing is, is that a very dear friend of mine who's been around for a very long time is a good patron of milk and honey as well as you know lucky mojo and some of the other metaphysical stores she 
we were talking of things, you know, I'm saying, well, I have to get rid of this and that. She says, oh, you don't want it? Can I take it? You don't want that? Can I take that? So Sunday she's having um, some people come and they're dismantling my little gazebo in the back, which, you know, I look at it and I, I've traced it around and I just go, I'm not. If I really need one, I will find one there when I get a place that may have yard to do that. Um, and I found it funny because I have um, two large cement sections of a fountain that used to have a fountain statue of an Asian woman with a bowl. And it was, it, I bought it when, I, when Brie was, so it's, I've had it for 30 years. Um, and I moved here and I set it up and I bought one that had a, I, I had a bowl, I had it set up for one with her and then I got a compliment, a male, and he had a little basket and it was fountains. It was, you know, regular outdoor real fountains. And we had, and again, senior park, you have to realize it's not any different than the rest of the world out there. You think it might be. Um, caregivers or family members who um, come in and stay with the members and do all kinds of things like drugs and selling them and, you know, all mm-hmm. the rest of the shit that is part of the seedier side, whether it's, and it's not a trailer park. These are nice places. It happens right. everywhere. Yeah, um, of course. So we had a lot of, we had one very active one down three houses from me, and they had people coming and going, and one night, Hit you not. These are cement statues. Of them. They backed a truck up and took them. And oh, no. I was, I mean, I was pissed. I was, I felt, you know, in, in, you know invaded and, and, you know, but, you know, ultimately there wasn't anything anybody could do because they went away. It was in the middle of the night. I sleep at the back, the back section. So, and the dogs didn't, you know, go out of their barking or anything. So, um, but my friend, these things, and she says, are you going to take those? And at first I said, yes, because they're mine. You know, it's like my yeah. history. And then I looked at it, and I'm going, no, I have to get a top. I have three other smaller fountains that, you know, are, are you know, a tabletop or anything. I could use them on a porch. I don't need this. So I said, yes, yeah. so she's taking that. So I'm, I'm, it's like suddenly the sense of relief is coming into the process of what I'm going through now. And I'm starting to pack up things and um, found my mother's handwritten recipe books that, you know, I have a book. And it was so exciting because, you know, my brother does a lot of cooking. I don't. Mm. And he's done all the, you know, if we were going to say he's kept all the the family recipes he has and you But I wanted to know if he wanted it. And then I found out that my daughter was devastated because it's like her grandmother, it was in her grandmother's hands, handwriting. And so I negotiated (laughs) with my brother to give him a copy. And he he was okay with it. It wasn't, you know. And I said, but I do have something that I know you're going to want. Because we talk about antiques because my mother's side of the family had 200-year-old antiques. They're, they're old. They came over from some of them. I don't know if they came on the Mayflower. I don't know when they came. They're old. Right. And one of them is this desk. And my grandfather, who I never knew because he died well before we were born, 
used to do his bookkeeping on it for his bee business. He kept bees and he sold honey. That wasn't yeah. his, it was a side business. It was something he enjoyed. He was a postmaster. And my brother is named after him. So I looked at it and he was saying, well, I have this and this and <clears throat> these people got the other one. I know she, this person has it. And I go, no, I have it. And he yeah. was like, oh, relieved. And I said, would you like it? And he's going to come up and get it. And I am so nice. Because it's like, you know, I have been a keeper of the <laughs> family um, antiques and a lot of the history uh, you know, and, and just things. And it's feeling really good that I can now release them. They're now, it's like, here, you get this. Here, you get that. And I'm like, yeah. so to me, even though it's been a tough week of some things, it has been, it's, it's like I can voluntarily let go of these things. And I am, I'm feeling better and better about, you know, my actual packing up and moving. And on that good. note, we should actually... Move on. I know that we have we have a very interesting subject that we chose, mind you, for this yeah. show. So yeah. I am going to hand it off to you to start. I will be happy to, to add all of my jibes and things, but right now I'm going to just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, today we're going to discuss astral travel, astral projection, astral stuff in all of the the ways that it can be used and utilized and the, the general practice of it. So that's, that's where we're headed. Yay. Yep. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought it would probably be a, I thought it would be good to just start with like the very most basic explanation of what this is and so I'm going to like take a minute to just talk about these the basics of these concepts before we start getting into more heady or esoteric ideas around it or even practical ideas around it but the basic metaphysical concept is that we all have an astral body so we have our physical bodies and then there is an energy field that surrounds our physical bodies and if you have done any sort of metaphysical practice you may already be aware of this you may already be an astral projector you may already get it but at the very least if you take your two hands and you move the palms of your hands together at some point it's likely you'll start to feel resistance now for some people this resistance might be like a foot apart Uh, And for some people, the resistance might be a lot closer together. But at some point, you should start to notice some resistance. And if you don't, you may need to activate, like, there's energy centers all over our bodies. There are energy centers in the palm of your hands. So you may need to move your hands around a little bit, rub your palms together a little bit to activate those energy centers, and then try again to see if you can feel that resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are really naturally inclined to noticing astral bodies, and some of us are not. So you might be able to see astral bodies. Sometimes it can look like a shadow or a brightness or even color. If you're um, skilled or naturally gifted at seeing astral bodies, I had an eighth grade science teacher who could see astral bodies, uh, and he couldn't see colors or anything like that, but he could see brightness or dimness and he could tell like if someone was having a bad day or not feeling well based on the brightness or dimness of their astral body pretty fascinating Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um 
but the concept goes even further than that, that if our bodies have astral fields, that other things, bodies have astral fields like plants and animals and the very earth itself, and that there is this whole astral realm that we can be connected to with our astral bodies. And Mm -hmm. when you get good at this, when you practice this, when this becomes a skill you can develop, your astral body can leave your physical body and go and travel in the astral realms and meet other astral bodies and have um, astral events and astral rituals and astral relationships and all kinds of things out on the astral plane. Um, Sometimes you can accidentally access the astral plane from dream or if you've ever been under anesthesia or if you've taken psychedelic drugs, sometimes you can access the astral plane accidentally. Uh, but the, the important thing to remember is that you are tethered to your physical body. And as long as you are tethered to your physical body, you will always find your way back and you can always wake up, right? You don't have to worry about getting lost in the astral realms or not being able to find your way back. Your spirit belongs in your body. It knows that, and it can find its way home pretty easy. Um, So that's the basic generic concept of the astral bodies and the astral fields out there, that you can travel in them and visit other people and places and things. Like if you can't leave your house to go see the Eiffel Tower, you could astrally travel to the Eiffel Tower. Mm -hmm. So there you go. (laughs) <laughs> Anything you want to add to that? <laughs> um, no, really, that was very, very cogent. I love that word. I can't, of course, I keep thinking of Kojak, so that's how I can remember it. It <laughs> dates me in terms of television series. Um, and I, you know, obviously the, you know, there is, there are a lot of, we start with astral travel slash projection then there are different words that have been used through the centuries and um, you know and quite frankly it's something that is way beyond our new age 1900s kind of uh, stuff that we are, date our information in you know modern time here but I mean it was done in um, ancient Egypt uh, you know the and it was interesting because way back I was given two words in some one of my many, you know, um, spirit travels, and one was um, ba and one was ka. And of mm-hmm. course, in Egypt, the present, the 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 soul is ba, and the physical yeah. body, you know, and that and that that's hovering outside, but the, the subtle body is ka. So you have, you know, the the two are connected in those two particular words. And um, it was interesting because I brought that back when I was doing my research. Going, oh, my God, I got that, you know, way back when, you know, it's, you know whatever. And, of course, China and Taoism and, and the concepts in Hinduism with yoga, and you can do it through, you know, the meditation and through the uh, yoga practices. And, you know, so there, you know, there are, even in biblical, in the biblical structure that is also mentioned about, you know, doing, quotes 
astral travel. They didn't call it that. None of these call it that. But it's the subtle body that is outside the physical body and how we want to describe that is what happens. And even, I mean, it was funny because they talk about it, Amazon and, and the Inuits. And and I was just reading all these things that I'm going, I know intellectually, but when I started to read about it, it was fascinating to realize that yeah. these are indigenous cultures, most of them, that have the connection and that is what they do. And how they, what their purposes mm-hmm. are, some of them are to talk to the animals for good hunts or, you know, mm-hmm. something that was mm-hmm. primary for them and their their way of life. Yeah. Yeah. I know like using the term shaman is, is complicated and it, it, you know, it's a, it's a, there's a problem of cultural appropriation with that word, but I think mm-hmm. a lot of, of magical practitioners are familiar with the concept of a shamanic journey and mm-hmm. that is astral, that's astral travel. So exactly what yeah. you're saying, all these cultures all over the world have some form of this. They don't all call it astral travel, but the, the metaphysical process of it is the same. So there's something to be said there. And, you know, doing some of my research for the show today, you know, I have a, I have my own personal relationship to astral travel and I have a little bit of reading that I've done in the past, but it's not something I've spent a lot of time studying. So Mm -hmm. in, in the last few days to get ready for today, I was reading a lot of stuff online and there is all of this like, science says blah 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 like science says it's all incidental and science says that this isn't real and science well okay like it's just funny how much that's pointed to like science says a lot of stuff isn't real or is magic or is all bullshit and then decades later it's proven to be true you know so just because it can't be proven science with a scientific theory does not mean it's not valid you know right and that that and that leads me, and I know this is kind of off in one, but it doesn't really. When you take it from that point of view, okay. So there's the the, the metaphysical, the spiritual, the indigenous structure that has borne fruit because this is what has happened. But then, because science cannot label it, prove it, take a picture of it, and you know dissect it, it's, it's mm-hmm. all fake. It's all not real. But we know that in Hitler's time in Nazi Germany, they basically were doing what they called remote viewing, which became a more, uh, how do I want to put it? It was a way to take it away from the woo-woo stuff, as I would call it, and make it a little bit, you know, like it's more scientific. It's remote viewing, um, which is of a similar nature. I mean, it's got different ways to get from point A to point B. But the, the process is, is that, that was one. And then, of course, guess what? The United States, stuff. they had one called the Stargate Project. Wouldn't you believe that? That they mm-hmm. did from, I think, 1970, <laughs> whatever it was, 5 to 1995 when they, quote, shut it down because they had no valid, no, it wasn't valid. Right. Okay? Right. So yeah. the scientific point of reference here kind of, you're going, yeah, really? And you took that much time and energy to put to something you don't believe in, and you've got all the right. layers. In, you know, I'm not going into yeah. conspiracy, but what I am saying is is that it's bullshit. It's real. Right. It's, right. you know, just not going to be the way you can prove it the way everybody feels is going to make it good and okay. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. That was my 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 little tirade in there because I was reading that, and then when I started reading about, you know, because I already knew about, you know, Nazi Germany and, and the things that were going on there and what, you know, all of that. But I look at, and I had forgotten about the, the, the United States doing that. And it's funny because there is another thing. It's a sidebar, more humorous, um, in the process of surviving um, through the pandemic, uh, binge-watching different shows and different things. I've taken on um, the, the British television uh, detective stories. So there's a series of them there. There's some that are in Australia and some in Canada that are all part of the same um, channel and group. And there's one that's basically called Murdoch Mysteries, and it basically works on the turn of the century, so 1890s to the early 1900s, 1912 mm-hmm. uh, to uh, probably 19. Um, and in it, of course, there's Canada and, of course, the United States, and there's this war. There's always a tension level, but they have, the Canadians have one particular segment uh, in, in this area of doing all these weird different things, you know, uh, space travel and all kinds of stuff that they're trying to do. And one of them was remote viewing, and I was, like, sitting there laughing, like, oh, my God, really? You even incorporated it into a, you know, a time where, People were doing real things, but you're putting it into the time when people were also experimenting and coming up with electricity and things that we now take for granted, but were considered leading edge. Yeah. But that was a a more popular way of discussing it. And, of course, there's plenty of that that has been used in TV shows and movies and all kinds of stuff about astral projection. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of weird information out there, and it has been sort of sensationalized. And um, mm-hmm. and you know what? The one thing I want to say, I know we're getting close to break time, but this isn't easy. Um, learning how to shift your astral body out of your physical body is not easy. And in saying that, for some people, it will be. Like it's, it's true with any practice like some people are just naturally gifted dancers or naturally gifted musicians or naturally gifted at cooking or whatever but for most people it it takes practice and it takes trial and error and it takes trying and doing it again and again and again Uh, and that is the truth with astral travel it is not an easy practice I especially me because I'm so I'm so grounded and I'm so like in my body, it's really hard for me to not be. So Mm -hmm. I've, I've had, you know, well, I think we'll dig into all of that when we get back from the break, but I just wanted to name that, that if you, if this feels out of your league, that's totally normal, you know, take your time with it, practice. It can be really frustrating too, when you practice and practice and you don't get anywhere, but then all of a sudden something will happen. Um, and I'll, when we get back from the break, I'll share a little bit about my young childhood experiences with this uh, and how I've used that to help me as an adult. <laughs> okay, yeah. sounds good. Yay. All Yay. Right. We'll, we'll be back in a minute. <laughs> Oh. 
more magic is coming your way right after these messages. is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, Add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Wee! Yay! <laughs> it's always so much fun. Yeah. So, what is your personal experience that you want to share? Yeah, okay. So when I first started reading about astral travel, I was like maybe 16, you know, because I was young when I found witchcraft and I wanted to do all the things and, um, and I got a book. I think, I don't think I have it anymore. Actually. I got, I, you know, I tend to really keep books even if they're crappy um, because I don't know, cause I'm weird, but I, I did do a purge of books a few years ago and I got rid of some things and now I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have got rid of that. But there was a book called Flying Without a Broomstick. And I think it was by DJ Conway, but I'm not 100% sure about that. But there was a lot of exercises in this book about practicing astral travel. And in reading this book as a teenager, I remembered that when I was a small child, like younger than like first grade and younger because I, I have to like track time by, by big events in my life. And my parents got divorced when I was five. So mm-hmm. it was, it was right around that time, five, five or younger, right? Really young. I have mm-hmm. these memories of being in bed and lifting my bed off the ground, like lying in bed at night, getting ready to go to bed and feeling like I was lifting my bed off of the ground and spinning it. So it felt, you know, exactly like that, exactly like, like all of a sudden I'm laying in bed, my eyes are closed, and now I feel like I'm floating, but I can still feel my bed on my back, and I can make it start spinning. And then when I was a teenager, and I was starting to read about astral travel, and I don't know why this triggered astral travel memories in me, I think it was something in that book that talked about Mm -hmm. those kinds of feelings, I could... Mm -hmm sort of bring those feelings back. Like I could, if I pictured someone jumping rope and their hands spinning, if I pictured oh. some, like a top, if I pictured something spinning while my eyes were closed and I was laying down, I could, I could feel myself lift off. I could feel my, my, myself lift off. Um, and, you know, that was, that was my way to get to the next step. That is like your body's wow. natural proclivity. That that spot between sleeping and waking, when you're just falling asleep mm-hmm. or when you're just waking up, you have mm-hmm. access to the the astral realms and the physical realms, and it's a moment where you have choice, right? Are you going to slip mm-hmm. into dream time? Are you going to wake back up, or are you going to leave your mm-hmm. body and go on a journey? And if mm-hmm. you practice, you can actually take control of that choice instead of your system just kicking into auto automatic. 
you can take right. control of that choice and, and jump into a different place. Um, so that's one of the tricks I've used is going back to that childhood feeling of lifting off of my bed or my bed lifting off of the ground. I don't know what was actually happening, but it felt like my bed was lifting off the ground. Um, and that's the way to do it because it does feel a little bit like that weightlessness you get when you're on a roller coaster. It does feel a little bit like that that spinny feeling when you spin around and around and around, you know, with your arms stretched out. There is a little bit of that feeling. So if you can connect yourself into that feeling, you can launch your your spirit body from that place. Right, right. So I know it's it's kind of interesting. Mine usually comes between if I'm if I'm doing this at actual um like I'm getting ready to go to sleep and this happens is I can feel it's like the the bed shakes. It's unfortunate because mm-hmm. invariably in California, the first thing you think of is, is there an earthquake happening? <laughs> right, um, right. You know, but if you if you can get beyond that first moment, that's when I know things are about ready to just literally take off, no pun intended. But if I'm doing it through meditation or um, deliberately working on it, you know, I don't want to say trance is one, meditation, or, you know, hypnotherapy is, is part of, you know, the, the concept of counting down, doing different, you know, anyway, a mantra, you know, whatever it is that you get to, to uh, release that, that moment, to release, and then your body starts to, your, the, the spiritual body, the etheric body, whatever you want to call it. I mean, obviously different um, different groups, Golden Dawns, Theosophists, et cetera, have different terms that they've coined. Um, we could spend hours going through the, the minutia of it, but the idea is that spirit out of the physical body to go into the spirit realm. And yeah. it's funny you mentioned about um, a spirit temple, and I'm sitting here mm-hmm. going, oh, my gosh, we both have the same story of, yeah. you know, the, the concept of doing a spirit temple and whether we do it for ourselves only or with a group, it's something that you do do. And there are some admonishings that I will say, but I'm going to turn that this over for you so you can describe that because I know you were talking about it before we got on, on the air. Yeah. So one of the one of the covens that I'm a part of, uh, has an astral temple. And so we, this temple, and, and I was not the, I'm not a founder of this coven. Um, so the astral temple was created before I was a member. Um, but since I've been a member, we have, um, we've done some, some uh, construction projects and we've redesigned <laughs> some areas. And, and I think it probably, presents itself slightly differently to all of us, but we have a record, a written record of the creation of this temple. Um, it is part of the lore of our group. And, you know, there are um, all kinds of magical things in this temple, including like a garden and a healing space and a beehive where we have um, access to bee wisdom. And there are special carved sigils in the walls of of the temple that are special to each of us for different reasons and so we can go to this temple as individuals because we all know 
what lives in this temple. So if we need healing or wisdom or solace or whatever, we can go to the temple as individuals. We can also go to the temple and leave things for other members. Um, We can, you know, drop off a gift or a prayer or a promise to one of the other members. And at least once a year, sometimes more often, we go to the temple together on a, a, a astral journey together uh, and we check in with the space because it kind of feels to me, I don't know if this is true about all astral places or if it's just this one, but it kind of feels like it has its own life. And so sometimes we go and there's like a new wing <laughs> or a new, <laughs> a new room or uh, uh, something has grown. Oh, um, just very interesting and fascinating thing. So it's kind of like its own, you know, witchy magical house. And so when we go to check in at least once a year, uh, we explore new places and we add those to the written lore of our coven. Um, and it's been really powerful, empowering, effective, especially in the time of COVID where we have not been meeting together. I think my, this coven has seen each other face to face twice um, in a year. And, you know, wow. both of those times were in, masks and at a public place where we could stay distant um, and one of our members died this past year so that was one of the reasons we all got together was because we wanted to mourn and celebrate one of our members lives you know so the astral temple has kind of come in handy for us to gather or connect or meet or just feel the energy of that group and be a part of the energy of that group uh, I also have my own, I actually wrote about this in What is Remembered Lives, about a personal place of power and creating your own place of power on the astral that you can go to um, and develop and connect with. And every time I do a trance journey or a meditation or an astral journey, I go to my place of power first. Mm-hmm. And then I look around, I'll circle the landscape and I'll look for a path. So for example, if I want to go visit Bridget, I will go to my place of power and then I'll say, you know, Bridget, I'm looking for you or Bridget, where can we meet or whatever. And then a path will make itself known to Hello. me and I will follow that path and Bridget will either be there Uh-oh. or it will lead me to Bridget's home or temple or whatever. Hello. So your own place of power can also connect you to other magical spaces. Hello. And all of that happens on an, an alternative plane. Maybe it's the astral, maybe it's something else, maybe it's all of the above. Um, but it is not of our regular physical No world. sound, don't know if we're on or I'm on. Anything you would add to that? Uh-oh. Elvira, are you there? No, I lost Elvira, so I'm just going to keep babbling. I'm assuming you can hear me, but the the system has told me that Elvira uh, has lost connection. So here we go. I'm going to text her real quick, so hang on. Um, it's showing me you got bumped. Okay. So I'm going to keep talking because I think you can probably hear me. The system is not saying I got bumped, and it's saying that we're still online. Um the reason an astral temple can be really effective and especially with like a place of power where it's something you're creating on your own um, is that it's connected to your spirit and your psyche and what you most need to be connected to. 
So it's a place that you can visit and develop. And there is, like in What is Remembered Lives, there is a whole trance journey on going to your own astral temple um, and checking the four directions and seeing what's there and creating and building a space out of that. And I think we may have Elvira back. Are you here? Yes, I am. Don't know Yay. what happened. Suddenly, it was like I was I was listening to the Bridget, and we left. She wanted to talk to me. Yeah, I don't know. How, well, what's funny is all of a sudden I was like, "Hello," <laughs> <laughs> and then I looked on the screen, and it showed that your phone number had been kicked out of the program. So I just kept talking. Here we are. <laughs> Good, because there you go. One of us always has to stay on top of talking. So, yeah. yeah. So you were you were saying about the four directions and, and all of that. I, I yeah. didn't want to just totally lose what we were doing there because I suddenly came back after leaving for a minute or two. Yeah, well, luckily your timing was perfect because so I just sort of um, – wrapped up that thought but I was here I, I was throwing it back to you before I lost you just to see like well what about your actual temple experience and what might you share oh well um it's interesting because I have two other women that I well I have had two other women that we circled for over probably 20 years um, as a as a triad and to um, a particular deity, and we eventually were such that we couldn't connect in person, except that myself and another one live in the same city here, but the other one lives way out of state and couldn't get back in a regular timely manner. So we started doing exactly that. We created an astral temple, and we would, you know, connect and uh, do ritual and you know it would be the dark moon and then you know the certain sabbaths we would get in and, and over the years um even though we have drifted apart the temple to me has stayed you know close and i seem to you know it's funny because you were saying you go to your special place your sacred place yeah That's exactly how i start every travel whether you call it shamanic journey or meditation, or, you know, a little ritual, like when we do the rituals with you for the different uh, deities that you have gatherings for. Um, Always start there and then move to, you know, the next space if I'm looking for this or I'm trying for that. And to me, I know when I'm out because my, there's a part (laughs) My body feels heavy. I can every once in a while I can feel the heaviness of the body um, yeah. while I'm in wherever I'm at. It's almost like uh, you ping to get a, a sounding and you get back an answering ping. And I guess that's my you know way of functioning to make sure I'm still you know got a place to go home to, so to speak. Um, but it's and I can tell when I've come out. It's, yeah. It, you know, I can tell when it's kicked me out, just like the, the, the telephone and our computer system and everything kicked me out. It's like you can tell. <laughs> and, um, I don't know. I, I use it for meaningful moments in my life, whether, you know, I need some help or I just, it's like a place to go to. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of it is unconscious. I do a lot of it unconsciously when I'm, I'm, you know, just in a place of whatever I need. But um, 
and different things will trigger me in. So, you know, sometimes it's, you know, certain kind of music or sometimes it's a certain kind of breathing. So I don't have any particular specific, consistent technique that I use over and over again. And I guess that's probably why I consider myself pretty fluid and eclectic in terms of spirituality is that I'm, I have a certain over structure, but then everything else gets accordingly shifted uh, with whatever needs are brought up. Yeah, yeah. And I do want to answer a certain warning. Um, I know that you can use this to go visit people and you can, you know, do all kinds of things. And we do know um, through certain kinds of people and needs and stuff that you do it just because you want that person, please be aware that there is a there is a certain amount of protected shield that exists, even if people aren't doing this as a spiritual practice or anything, and invading mm-hmm. their space is the same as invading their home or their work or their body. It's yeah. inappropriate and unethical. And I will leave it at that on my side. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for saying that. Like, if you want to just tool around on the astral and go to places where people are gathering, just, you know, public places, that's great. But don't be a creeper. Like, there are, uh, you know, there are consequences to behavior like that. And it's best to just not get yourself in a potentially bad situation. And, yes, there are dark places. And, yes, there are... Okay, demons and da 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 and yes, there is. Just like, you know, you go to a city and there are the dark alleys and the less reputable uh, neighborhoods and places. And do you go down there with all your bling on and you just sort of walk around? Uh, not really. You, you, it's, there are things you have to prepare for if you want to utilize that kind of energy. Um, and yet there's also um, repercussions and payment for that. So yeah. I I know we talk about this in a very light and, um, you know, we have things to say and it's very illuminating and everything. But there is also the side to anything that you can, you want to use it for what, you know, you want or how you want something and um, to hell with the rest of the, the circumstances sounds like things that have happened on the real world recently in our country, um, but it is there are repercussions and right. payments. So that's kind of my the adult version of saying, and be careful what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think it's probably good to also mention, like, if you are reading up on astral projection or astral travel, and you might come across an out-of-body experience as another term for it, um, you know, that, that is kind of a, the same thing. I think that they can, they may have different energy markers, but basically they're the same thing, you know, Um this is something that the Golden Dawn was very uh, utilized in their practices. So this is something, you know, fraternal orders have been using a lot of modern 
witchcraft and paganism has been influenced by writings of the Golden Dawn, and that's probably where this idea of astral travel came from or astral projection or out-of-body experiences. And also sometimes it, this, this term is not in use as much as it used to be, but also etheric travel or mm-hmm. etheric realms. Um, I like the word etheric more than astral. I don't know why I just do, um, but that is also um, another thing that comes up. And I just looking over my notes. I just remembered something. So we, you know, we talked about a little bit like that moment between being asleep and awake, that that dream time moment as an opportunity to to step into astral travel. But one of the things that's often cited as a returning experience, like maybe you were astral traveling and you didn't know it, is if you've ever had a dream where you're falling or if you have this sensation that you're falling and you wake up, like you just hit the ground and you wake up or you feel like you've just, you're about to hit the ground and you wake up. That feeling is, is believed by some to be the returning of your astral body to your physical body and that you may have been out traveling without knowing it while you were dreaming or asleep. And that was your astral body being called back to the house. So to speak. Right. <laughs> right. Right. It's yeah. interesting because you mentioned etheric and I think that um, the theosophists in 19th century theosophists are the ones that coined astral projection, i.e. astral travel. And you're right, it was the Golden Dawn that made it to etheric. And I think it's because, and this is my own hypothesis, but etheric makes it um, more, uh, well, think of ethereal. It it gives you a, a softer feel as opposed to astral travel, which is like, hardcore we're going to get in and deal with it and i think that's um, another way to look at you know and out of body you know any one of us have had out of body if you know you've hurt yourself or you've gotten scared or something tragic has happened and i think that when i say any one of us has it's we we may not it only was for an instant it was just like a hop up hop out because it was enough of a scare um some people Mm -hmm. actually remember it uh, you know, in terms of that, it's when the body, the the, the connection loosens and we, yeah. we we move. And whether we do it consciously and spiritually and, you know, with that kind of, or we do it because we're going to sleep or we do it because there's something tragic or it, it, it's emotional happens and we go, ah, and that happens. So it actually is very common. It's just that, most of us don't think about it. And one of the things that I did want to talk about quickly was that one of the reasons that this was done was to deal with the Akashic records. And that's yeah. something that oh everyone... Oh, so funny. I just was like, okay, next thing we need to mention before we run out of time is the Akashic records. And then you slid right into it. That's amazing. <laughs> hey, uh, I'll let you hang out with the Akashic records. I love them. And it's like going yeah. to a gigantic library, like um, the, the TV series called The Librarians. It's something that people can look up. I don't want to talk about it, but it is something like that. So you go for it. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'll, I'll, just to keep it brief, because we are getting close on our time, but there is this con- spiritual concept that there are Akashic records and that the Akashic records hold everything, all knowledge, all wisdom, all timelines, everything about your past lives and your future lives, it's all held in the Akashic Records. 
And from the astral, you can access them. Uh, and there are practitioners that that's what they do, like, like spirit workers and readers and um, um, folks who do journey as part of their spiritual work that can that mm-hmm. access the Akashic records and can, you know, tell you what you need to do for healing or look up your past life shenanigans and tell you what you may need to be fixing in this life for, you know, better change or faster change or, or evolution or what have you. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not a skill I possess, but I am fascinated by it. Yeah. Um, and just to give you uh, back when I was in LA and I was doing my beginnings of, you know, tarot and all this stuff, I went to a reader. I was suggested to go to this woman. She was a young black woman. Her son actually was in a popular TV series at the time as a young a young teenager in the series. She didn't look like she was the mother of a teenager. Um, but I went, and she literally, she went into a mini, it wasn't a trance, but she kind of pulled herself down, and then she started reading from the Akashic Records. And she would, mm-hmm. it was the kind of thing like, and, A-N-D, comma, then she would go to the next word, and if she had to spell it out, and she went through this process, and actually that is how I was told that and when I was told. I was told I would have a daughter and that the man that I was going to be marrying would be the father, and he was technically told he couldn't have children because of mm. things that happened during the Vietnam War that he was involved in. But right. it was, you know, and a couple of other things, and, you know, I was like, oh, wow. So it it's very interesting. I have never had the ability to really get into the personal Akashic, but I've experienced getting into, um, well, I would say the outer, the outer section of, of the Akashic records. I don't read Akashic records like personal ones, but, you know, it's interesting and highly fascinating. Yeah, now I'm like, gosh, I want to find someone that reads Akashic records and get a reading. That sounds freaking awesome. We've never had that. It was very, it was very, it was, I was intensely struck by this and I was like yeah well of course you know you're a, you're going to be a healer and I'm like yeah yeah I have a healer yeah yeah ego ego but the other <laughs> part of it was just so uh, unbelievable because I was just like yeah okay and then you know things came about and, and things were happening um, but I don't I don't know I mean I don't know her name anymore I don't remember it you know in terms of except certain things that came out of it that were that did happen but not necessarily yeah. right around the corner. So, but yeah, somebody out there still they, they have them. I just you know I'm very cautious and very um, skeptical. Yeah. So yeah, me too. Um, so I a think little that's another... healthy skepticism is important in any spiritual practice. True, true, and anything you're going to go you know get information on or work with or whatever. So yeah. yeah. Nice. Okay, I think we're we're unless you have anything more you want to say about astral travel, I think we've done no. a good job. Yeah, we're right at time, so I think you know we could probably talk more about it, but that's all we got for today. Yes, um, yeah, that's true. So yep. thanks for listening <laughs> and stuff. Oh, and we are planning on doing a uh, astral witch in the next couple of weeks, so please do send in your questions. We have a couple of questions so far, but we have plenty of space for more. 
So please do send in your questions. And the way to do that is to go to our website, witchpriestesscauldron.com. And there's just a simple little questionnaire that you can fill out with your name and your email and your question. And we will get to that on our next Ask a Witch episode. So don't forget to get those in. Yes, please. And next week, I believe we are doing one of the beloved dead Doreen Valente, correct? Yes. Yeah, we're going to talk all about one of the founders of modern Wicca. Yay. This will be fun. It will be another educational aspect. So on that note, see you next week on the radio. Everyone have a safe and um, prosperous week. Yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Our podcast airs live every Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific and will be available for download. Questions or comments on this show or ideas for upcoming shows can be sent to our website, and that's at www.witchpriestesscauldron.com. Again, that's witchpriestesscauldron.com. On behalf of Elvira, Phoenix, Alan, and myself, Gwion Raven, a big merry meet and merry part and merry meet again. Blessed be. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.